0: Don't stop firing! I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green. Like, literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point
1: four. This is Control. Be radio. Keep calm
2: and remain on the guard frequency.
3: Greetings, Sits and Sivs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 17 and was recorded live on April 5th and made available for download on April 8th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff.
4: And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Jeff? In this week's Squawk Box, we will tell you about the next great fighter, Jet. In CIG News, we'll bring you up-to-the-minute coverage on everything happening around the burst, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest universe fiction, and the second hiatus episode of The Next Great Starship. This week, we'll get organized and talk about organizations in Nuggets for Nuggets. And then we'll bring you the final piece of our series of interviews from Tony's trip to CIG Austin, this week featuring Jason Spangler and Brian Brewer. Finally, we'll tune our dials to the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and sives. we are always on the lookout
2: for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, then we'd love to hear from you. Particularly right now, we're looking for an assistant audio editor to come and join us on the team. So if you're good at mixing the decks and making us sound just that little bit better than we actually do in real life, then we definitely want to hear from you. So drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all of the positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labour of love after all but we do look great on a CV or resume
4: that takes care of the housekeeping so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box
3: Any hey, you boys need a carrier around here uh, everything's under
0: control
3: Crypto, Crypto, Crypto. this is tony saying welcome to the squawk box everyone While the next great starship is on hiatus and we're counting down the last weeks to the dogfighting module, we thought we'd take a minute to update you on the next great jet fighter, the Scorpion ISR. For everyone new to the show, we've been keeping tabs on Textron's built-on-spec two-seat multi-role twin-engine sled. I find it interesting for a few reasons. First, it's being built and tested at the Cessna plant in my hometown, Wichita, Kansas. Second, it went from sketchpad to first flight in under two years. Third, it's 70% built from off-the-shelf parts. And finally, this is a fighter that nobody wants, but maybe everybody needs. Kind of like a certain space sim we're all familiar with, the experts have declared that drones are going to take over the jobs that manned aircraft do today. So building a cheap, modular attack scout just wouldn't fit in with today's crowd. Well, an April 1st article by Doug Cameron in the Wall Street Journal shows that some of the skeptics might be coming around. One analyst in the article called the company's sales goals ambitious but reasonable. And Textron is submitting follow-up proposals after briefing several partner nations. Whether or not a company better known for business jets, car parts, and the world's fastest lawnmower can revitalize a business declared dead by all the experts remains to be seen. But here's a story that illustrates the philosophy of the folks running the program. When the Martin Baker Company donated their signature ejection seats to the project, Cessna engineers found out they were just too big to fit in the plane. Where a typical defense contractor would spend an estimated 15 months and $100 million redesigning the ejection seat to fit the approved cockpit, Scorpion team, they redesigned the cockpit to fit the seat. So uh, if this weren't in the real universe, this could be like the background
4: story for one of the companies in Star Citizen as far as I'm concerned. It's really interesting that given enough leeway, ingenuity will always bubble to the top. It's just an example yeah. of what people do come up with innovative and interesting ideas. I think this is a great project, and I keep my eye on it all the time. Yeah, Textron
3: is one of those multinational, huge octopus, conglomerate global companies. But the difference between the Scorpion and your typical government defense project is that they don't have a contract with any government right now. They're developing this thing in-house for their own benefit. They're not already on the up for taxpayer money. So every dime they spend is theirs. And everything that they put at risk is there. So they have a design philosophy, we're going to build the thing off the shelf. And if we need to get ejection seats off the shelf, we'll change our fuselage to fit the thing we need to get off the shelf. It's just a really flexible, mobile, agile design philosophy. And it seems to be working because they're getting some interest. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you might think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news.
4: 175 Port Bay hands-on approach Checker screen Call the ball. Don't get technical with me.
3: Our crowdfunding update for April 5th, 2014, 41325000 Also, uh, I'm betting that this uh, stretch goal lasts just as long as April 10th. I bet when that dogfighting module gets revealed at PAX East, or just before PAX East, I bet the next crowdfunding level falls just about immediately. We've got 3,155 alpha slots left. That's down another 800 from last week. They're going fast, kids. And I believe if my projections are right, if it stays on this pace, it'll go to zero on April the 10th. So. I'm really wondering if these are actual real numbers or not. But hey, benefit of the doubt, right? Just over 420,000
4: registered users. Go ahead and insert your marijuana joke here. Another landmark for crowdfunding gaming was broken yet again this week as we reached 41 million, which greenlights what Chris Roberts and many others at CIG see as crucial for the long-term future of Star Citizen. Procedural content generation. Unlike other stretch goals that have given us planets, ships, and something else solid, this stretch goal brings to us an R&D team that will create dynamically generated planets worthy of exploration, making each planet not only unique, but theoretically life-size, as each area of the planet will only be generated as it's required. It's also worth noting that this system can also be applied to space systems, so rather than a system having to be hand-created by the devs, there's no reason they won't be able to just open up another door and let the system generate itself. Ultimately, this will mean that the burst can be infinitely expanding and never-ending. Very good news for all of us. Additionally, Chris gives us his thoughts on the Facebook acquisition of Oculus Rift, and isn't concerned in the slightest. He also calms any fears we may have that CIG will be acquired by a larger entity saying, don't worry, we have no plans nor interested in following this path. We don't need to go to anyone with deep pockets to make our dream become a reality.
3: Well, I don't know if anybody else
4: saw his
3: response there. It was taken down. The initial one went out there, and then it got kind of taken down. The letter went through a couple of iterations, shall we say, on there. But on the first go-around, there were a lot of numbers and sort of interesting examples given of what it would take to bring a hardware device to fruition. And one of Chris Roberts' uh, sort of signature wrap-up lines were, he was not surprised that this happened because it takes that kind of money to bring a hardware device to market and basically he knew that anybody backing VR was doing exactly what Notch, the Minecraft creator, said what he was disappointed about. He knew that they were just seeding an idea for somebody else to come by.
4: The thing about a technology like this is everybody wants to experience it, but only the elite, uh, the pocketbook elite, could uh, really afford to take on uh, such a peripheral. So I see this as a very cautious win for Oculus Rift. Ten for the Chairman, episode 14 was
3: released, where Chris takes and responds to questions submitted by subscribers. This week we hear that they're building a new sound booth at Austin. (laughs) that was great. Copywriter Lennon. well done. Uh, uh, Which will no doubt come in handy when they bring in some old but unconfirmed favorite voiceover actors from the Wing Commander series. There may be just one or two familiar sounding characters voiced by Chris, Eric, Sandy, and a few other CIG staff as well. Also, we hear that humans will be the only playable species at launch and that the Banu and Jian will be coming in bigger expansions to the game. Players will be able to get their own warehouses and silos in the game for processing minerals and extracting from mining. In fact, there will be a whole production chain centered around mining and a lot of logistics involved. And finally, a Star Citizen TV series isn't out of the question for future long-term plans. Surprise! Although there's nothing immediately in the pipeline, Chris has said that the fans enjoy accessing their favorite universe in multiple ways. Star Citizen won't be an exception to this. As room. long as it's not size so, by. Oh, God, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. The next episode of The Next Great Starship, The Dogfighting Module Special, Episode 2. The staff at CIG tell us what they've been doing to help with the launch of the Dogfighting Module, and what some of their biggest challenges were. The team are hard at work putting in every hour under the sun so they can make sure that this is the most highly polished alpha experience that anyone will ever have, despite it not being anywhere near as polished as what Chris Roberts would like, and with 400,000 fans watching their every move, you can be sure that not even the tiniest detail will go unchecked. Finally, we catch up with the teams to see what progress has been made on their conceptual designs for the next great starship. Now, one thing that caught a lot of people's attention was that during the Team Troika message, he said that there had been a bit of bad blood surrounding the team and a bit of uh, controversy.
3: I didn't understand what any of that was.
2: Yeah. So I did a bit of digging around because, again, this was news to me. I mean, I keep an eye on the forums, but I just still didn't receive anything. So essentially... Team Troika have been criticized by several members of the community for not putting enough effort into their designs and that a lot of their work has been a little bit subpar. They've also essentially been accused of cheating, trying to get around the barriers to entry. They sent in work that was made prior to the competition because the designs that they have for the competition were not finalized. They weren't ready enough to make it through the elimination stages. Based on that, CIG took it upon themselves to splice together the video submissions with the prior concept art and they posted this out as their entry for the next great starship so a lot of the members of the community are thinking that no matter which way you look at it whether it was crg's fault for splicing it together or the team's fault for entering it twice a lot of them feel that they're getting a free pass based upon their reputation because they do have some designers on there who have a preceding reputation so that was the bad blood surrounding troika what are your guys thoughts on this
4: you know as long as they deliver a great ship i don't care I'm of two minds, and you know.
3: And bear with me just for a second as I ramble yet again. On the one hand, it's a competition, right? So you're supposed to follow the rules, and some of them are arbitrary because it's just how you play the game, right? Why is a football field only 100 yards long? Because why do you only get three strikes? Because so uh, you know, if you're supposed to submit a design and then work through it and show your work in progress and hit the milestones at the same time as all the other teams, well, just because. On the other hand, the whole idea at the end of the day is to, by the end of the journey, have a Chris Roberts universe worthy vessel. And really how you get there is kind of immaterial if the finished product is better than everybody else's. So I am of two minds on this. On the one hand, it is kind of artificial to make people work in a way that's not their design channel. On the other hand, the purpose of the competition is to create a user generated content pipeline and to show everybody the process by which the accepted pipeline works. So maybe they'll have the best ship, but it doesn't help the rest of the community figure out how to get their ships into the game. And I think that may be where the real fault of Team Troika is. It's not helpful to the rest of us.
2: Yeah, I mean, much like you, I'm kind of in two minds on the whole thing myself. I can see that they've got some very talented people in their design team, but like you said, it's a competition, and the whole point of having the rules of a competition, you know, why is a football field 100 yards? Because it is, and then it means that every team that plays football has a 100 yard pitch, and so everybody is literally on the same field. With the rules of this competition, you have to get your concept done in this particular way by this particular time, and that makes it fair on every team that's entering. Obviously, you then have of things like the community save and all that sort of thing. So, you know, there is still chance yeah. to get back in. Yeah.
3: See, but they, generally if, speaking... If, if, yeah.
4: Yeah. If Troika was that good, the community would have saved them. It's CIG's game. All right and they enabled them. So if by enabling them I say it's all yeah. out the window. So as long as they deliver, I really don't see the problem.
2: Yeah I, I completely understand that I'm just thinking that if the only reason that they did get through, you know they, again, they might produce an absolutely stunning design, they might end up winning this competition. But if the only reason that they got through is because somebody at CIG looked at what they did previously and therefore made an exception to the rules by them, you know, what's to say that all the others had they submitted content that they'd done previously? Might have been treated to the same, and then we might have a completely different lineup. I just think that, as per the rules of the competition, regardless of whether CIG made the exception or not, the whole point was to keep everybody on this same track. Yeah. And yeah, maybe they've stepped outside the boundary a little bit here.
3: Yeah. And, 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 you know, the idea is if you like their previous work and think it's really great, just hire them. Yeah. (laughs) just Send them a letter and uh, say, we'd like to hire you for the team. If it's that good, then do it that way. And don't don't put them in the 44
2: million stretch goal right there. There you go. Yeah.
3: We're going to hire Team Troika. So that's our first community question for this week. What do you guys think about Team Troika? Have they upended the playing field or did the refs just call it like they saw it? Let us know your thoughts on our show post on the Robert Space Industry fan site subforum or over at GarFrequency.com on this week's show post. A hangar full of unsavory types, and that's unsavory with an O-U-R. A pirate ship disguised as a government vessel and the return of someone thought dead. The Dateline Cesson series keeps going from strength to strength. Our favorite roving reporter is still alive but left in the clutches of a vast crew of pirates. Will there be any honor amongst thieves? We'll have to wait for next week's entry to find out. Also, if you're curious about the woman behind Dateline Sesson, then be sure to check out Citizen Star's news interviews with Marina
2: Lostetter over at the Citizen Star news website. You can find links in our show notes. And if there's one thing you can say with certainty about any IP that's ever been created, is that there's always going to be fan fiction. Unfortunately, not all fan fiction is a good thing. I mean, just Google Harry Draco slash if you never want to be able to look at the Harry Potter series again. Actually, don't Google that. Actually, don't. It would be inadvisable. You've got to take the good with the bad. No, you you don't. No, you really really don't. (laughs) Well, in that case, you can take what we've got here. There are definitely some exceptions to the rule, though. And with the Star Citizen universe being the way it is and its navy of loyal backers, it's just one such exception. We've already seen some die-hard teams pour their love for the game into making the next great starship, but this week's Fan Focus takes a look at another creative avenue, that of prose and storytelling. This article on the Robert Space Industries website highlights just five of the best pieces of the fiction set in the Star Citizen universe, but they
4: are well worth the read, even if you're not normally into fan fiction. In the latest episode of Wingman's Hangar, Eric Wingman Peterson confirms something that we've all suspected for a while, Chris Roberts isn't getting enough sleep. In this week's Inside Cloud Empyrean Games, we're told the details of version 1.5 and two releases, or drops as they're called internally, of the organizational system, which we're going to cover in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. So we won't spoil that for you here. In form Feedback, we learned that although we won't be able to earn in-game credits to upgrade our ships in version 1 of the Dogfighting module, that when the module becomes the Arena mode in the final game, will be able to earn credits from matches played in the arena. We will also hear that in the event of an organizational leader turning rogue and selling the fleet's assets, then, well, you're just out of luck, as it does don't plan on interfering directly with player-run organizations. Giving the advice, if you get invited to an organization with only one person in control, probably the best that you don't join. Further, it's hinted that Tavarian ships will be available, although incredibly rare in the universe. Although this isn't confirmed, Rob was cautiously cagey in his response, saying, well, the Tavarian scuppered their ships into the atmosphere. If there were any Tavarian ships left around, well, there's only likely to be a few in the whole universe. Lastly, we hear that there will be an additional single-player campaigns launched for Squadron 42 after the initial release, so players will have further solo adventures to look forward to.
3: Yeah, I was interested in hearing that organization talk after I tried to pull out of John Erskine during my interviews with him. How granular the control over the fleet would be at the sort of the, the squadron leader level? How, what permissions could you set, and all that kind of stuff? He was unwilling to uh, to go into much detail. But the fact that there's going to be some kind of fleet council arrangement where your fleet can't be dissolved or the assets just uh, confiscated by a single person, there'll be at least some measure of interaccountability among the top rank that was encouraging to me and wasn't one of the stretch goal planets the taverin ghost world where there were equipment and stuff recently manufactured
2: yes equipment but i don't recall it saying ships i don't recall it not saying ships
3: that, that is true. Recall, I, don't, I don't recall, recall it saying, what it
2: didn't say.
3: Yes, exactly. It's important to say McDonald's, but it didn't say it Tavaran McDonald's, but there could be. My point is, is that would be a nice hook for them to do stuff. Even if most of the ships of the Tavaran Navy were scuttled or blown to pieces on purpose, there's a way for them already established to get some additional Tavaran designs into the verse. Were they so inclined? Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. And we got our monthly report for March 2014 on April the 2nd this month. April the 1st was a little bit of a ha-ha funny-funny from the team. There's only two words. Absolutely f-ing epic. That's the only way to describe this month's monthly report. And for those keeping score, it is only two words because Lennon redacted one of them. This month, we hear from several notables from CIG, Foundry 42, and many others as we get updates from Travis Day, the dogfighting producer, Eric Wingman-Peterson, studio director of CIG Austin, Aaron Roberts, studio director of Foundry 42, Mathieu Beaulieu, producer at the Behavior Interactive, Tara Decker, producer at CGBot, Sean Murphy, outsource manager, freelance contractor coordinator, and redacted the head of the redacted FPS team, ooh, mysterious, Mark Day, studio director of Void Alpha, and Benoit Boucher-Jour, founder of Turbulent. It will take us all year to recap and give you our views of everything that was discussed. But unfortunately, some of us here at Priority One Productions have other commitments like work, family, sleep, making fun of British people and Canadians. So we'll just have to give you our highlights.
2: Yeah, one of the things that I really, really loved about this, and, you know, there's so many... Dev blogs in here that, like we said, it'll take all year to go through it. But we actually get some proper screenshots of the HUD from the dogfighting module, which mm. was in one of the early letters. And yeah, I've just been looking at it and staring at it, and it is so gorgeous. And I want to buy a Hornet now. <laughs> You'll get a HUD in your ship too, you know. I know, I know. The freelancer HUD though, is, uh, it's it's going to look more Applely. I can tell. <laughs> and uh, the, the Hornet it's just the you can have a spinning beach ball when you're trying to lock on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As, as you attempt to take off, this beach ball just starts spinning. And yeah, you're like, if it doesn't stop soon, I'm gonna. Crash. And C- going. The,
3: the bitching Betty system sounds like Siri. Yes. And 800 <laughs> meters, turn left. Yeah. I don't know See, what
2: you're talking about. <laughs> this is something that sort of I didn't realize. Bit of a culture shock here because Siri over here is a man. It's a male voice. What? Whereas over there, it's a female. Yeah, I know. You know, we get things like this is your reminder to call the vet. But, wow. Yeah. I want to listen to a dude tell me what to do. But yes, all the, all the new screenshots that have come out. And I'm good with info. I like info. It helps, you know, to understand the ins and outs of the game. But when I see screenshots, I get excited. It's yeah. just, I can see it. It's real. Oh, my gosh, that's what it's going to look like. I'm going to be sat there. I'm going to be doing that. And just, oh, I, I cannot wait for April the 10th.
3: Yeah, well, you know, we're sending a couple guys to the show. Last word I had is that they've been credentialed as members of the press and so they should be there on the floor with the fans taking pictures and recording video, and uh, we should get the fruits of their labor. Should have that ready for you for uh, the show on the 15th, so uh, looking forward to that. I, too, appreciated the screenshots from the HUD, and I think it's a milestone improvement over what they had uh, earlier on. So yet another example of waiting to release was the right move. The HUD looks a lot more usable and just cleaner. and It looks more like you could ignore it if you wanted to. And that's really what I want from a HUD. I want it there when I want it and just sort of not there when I want to look past it or through it. And I think that they kind of managed to do that. You know, everything was interesting. I'm interested to see who the FPS outsource is and curious as to why it had to be redacted and why everybody's keeping that hush-hush big secret. Because I would think that most people would want to have their name and studio and resources tied to this juggernaut of a crowdfunded game. So Mm. I was curious, but we'll see what happens.
2: Maybe it's gone to the folks behind Elite Dangerous. <laughs> they're,
3: yeah, they're combining it. Oh, what if it's the Warhorse guys? Oh, that's true. Oh, that would be interesting.
2: Kingdom Come Deliverance is that the people? Yeah, thinking, yeah, or? yeah. The one, the yeah. other, uh, the other CryEngine team. I wonder. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, have we just uncovered something? Ooh. Is this an exclusive? Is I this an exclusive rumor? We're, yeah, it's an
3: exclusive speculation. Yeah, No one else <laughs> yes. would be dumb enough to think of it. this. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> We'll put it out there. Anyway. If we turn out to be right, we'll look like geniuses.
2: Well, that's our thoughts on it, but we want to hear from you in this week's community question. Of everything covered in this absolutely epic monthly report, what are you most looking forward to? Is there anything that you were disappointed that wasn't covered? Let us know your thoughts by commenting on this show's post over at guardfingristy.com or on the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. So, you said that we've got a couple of people going to the PAX reveal. So I've, I've got to ask, where the f***? Is the dogfighting module.
3: Uh, it will not be in Boston. We'll get a look at it, but they're not going to unveil it to the rest of us for weeks afterwards, days, weeks, I don't know. So- surely
2: they've got enough room in one of the boots, to, you know, one of the trunks to take it in. It can't be that big, surely.
3: No, surely, no, it's a, it's a module. It can't be that yeah. big. It's not like it's it a an alpha thing. It's got to be tiny, surely. Yeah, surely. small,
2: for mm. sure. Well, this is our section of the show where we like to tell you what we do to pass the time between waiting for the dogfighting module. So, yeah, this week I've mainly been playing... FTL Advanced. You guys have played FTL, right? Oh, that's FTL? out? FTL. It's out now, yes. Well, yes, I know yes, what yes. I'm doing after the show. Mm-hmm. Yep, got all that sorted. Um, Jeff, have you played FTL? I have played FTL. I didn't know there was another one coming out. So they've had a free expansion, which has added a a ton of new features and just made it really nice and playable. So a couple of things that I like about the new FTL is that once you've assigned your crew to different stations, you can push the forward slash key and it will save their positions. So should you then move them about, you can just hit enter and it'll return all the crew to their stations. So you don't have to Ah, remember who's, where, doing what and what they're leveled up in and and so on and so forth. Yeah, There's also a lot more uh, mission variety and dialogue variety that's all been updated and there's a lot of new updated subsystems, which you can get eventually. The game starts out the same as it does, but as it gets on further and further, you gain access to more and more subsystems. So that's what I've been up to. Jeff, what have you been doing this week?
4: Well, EA released another expansion for Battlefield 4, and I've been playing a lot of that. Naval Assault. Now, This has got some great sea battle maps on it, so it was kind of fun. Well, I've uh, dug out all the manuals for Artemis because I think we're going to make this
3: a routine on Saturday. So uh, I've, I've been reading all the specs and diagrams, figuring out how the ship sort of works. And, uh, you know, this week, uh, Lennon and I and my son Jim, we managed to not to blow up a Starbase this time. Well, you know, we'll, we'll throw this out there. We're getting pretty good at this and all. We've managed to beat level one. So if any of you want to join us an hour before we go live on our website, give us an email, com. We'll give you the server information, and you can fly around the Artemisverse with us and uh, practice your cooperative
2: alien blowing up tactics. It's an important thing to keep level on. I've got a quick question that I want to ask as well to Jeff. You're our resident flight sim expert. Uh, That's what they tell me. This week on Steam, Ace Combat Assault Horizon has gone on sale. It's currently for £2.49, which is probably cheaper than you can buy a McDonald's for, I'd imagine, over there. So is the Ace Combat series worth playing if you want to try dogfighting?
4: It's worthy. I wouldn't say it's the best out there, but if you like dogfighting and you like stick and throttling it, it's definitely worth a play. And at that price, you can't go wrong. If you end up not liking it, then um, you really haven't lost anything. Well,
2: with the latest updates from CIG News done, let's go get back to basics with Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention.
3: That means get on your feet, Nuggets!
2: Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets. This is our little section of our show where we like to delve into the mechanics of Star Citizen and give you everything that we know from the inside out. Bit of a warning up front, this game is very much still in active development, so all the information that we give is subject to change. This week, we're getting organized, and we're talking all about organizations. Well, guilds, fleets, fellowships, clans, corporations. Whatever you know them as, you know what they are. A group of people, whether friends in real life or just people you know through the game, that have common goals and come together to play the games that they love. In Star Citizen, these are called organizations.
3: There are five basic types of organization in Star Citizen. Corporation, private military contractor, faith syndicate, and plain old vanilla organization. The first of these, corporations, are designed for players who want to be part of a larger economic force at work in the verse, which could range anywhere from mining to manufacturing.
4: Private military contractors, or PMCs, are guns for hire. If you need protection to keep your cargo or information safe whilst traveling throughout the stars, then a PMC is where you'll be able to pick up some security, for a modest fee, no doubt. If you're the type that likes to get into scrapes, and dogfighting is more a way of life than a necessity, then a PMC organization will be the home for you. Faith-based organizations
2: are a collection of individuals that have all united under a single banner, so anything from the Rebel Alliance to a literal faith organization such as the One True Cylon God cult. Faith-based organizations attract members from all walks of life. You can expect members of a faith-based organization to be swayed more by morals and ethics than by money and prestige, so whilst money can buy you the hired guns of a PMC, being true to yourself will earn you the loyalty of a faith-based organization.
3: Syndicates are loose collections of pirates, outlaws, and other unsavory types who've come together for some mutual arrangement. Whether to form the biggest pirate fleet that will strike fear into the hearts of all who gaze upon it to a convenient set of people to blame when you get caught smuggling, just because you're wearing the same colors doesn't necessarily mean you're on the same side. Of course, syndicates are great places if what you need are the nasty folk who like to live under the radar, but the price you pay for their services is going to be much, much higher.
4: Lastly, organization-type organizations are the vanilla experience, a band of players who don't wish to firmly affiliate themselves as one particular type of player. So, you've created an organization. So what can you do? Well, right now, the only features available to us are an organization-only chat on the official Robert Space Industries website. But we know that future developments coming soon will take organizations beyond just a chat room. Coming in version 1.5 of the organization system is the ability
2: to be part of multiple organizations, and also to hide your organization membership. You will have one primary organization that any points and resources you earned will be counted against, but you may have several affiliate organizations. For example, you can primarily be a member of the Guard Frequency Response, but you could be an affiliate member of the Freelancer Owners Club. This brings us to another point about the organization system, the ability to hide your organizations and affiliates from being viewed by other players. This will open up all sorts of possibilities for metagaming and espionage. Are you joining the Pirate Syndicate and hiding the fact that you're a member of another Pirate Syndicate? Or are you actually part of a PMC contracted by the UEE to infiltrate and take down the organization from the inside? If you're an organizational leader, these are the sorts of questions and decisions that you're likely going to have to make on a regular basis. Version 2.0 of the
3: organization system will see refinement of the organizing. Organization leaders will be able to create jobs and structure so you can allocate different players to different roles. For example, in a PMC, you could break your organization down into wings and have different players assigned to different roles within those wings, assault, defense, etc. A mining organization might break it down into different departments, logistics, production, manufacturing, so on. The way you break down your individual organization will be entirely up to you. Additionally, we know there won't be a friends list in the game, and instead we'll be relying on joining mutual affiliate organizations. So as soon as version 2.0 drops, be sure to create your friends list. Otherwise, when you get into the verse, you may find that the deep black gets pretty lonely. I've still yet to hear the killer app where this makes it better than just the standard thing. Here's the thing. If everyone was going to respect the sort of in-game meta funness of it, that would be fine. But in reality, if you want to take down an organization from the inside, you just hook up with them on TeamSpeak. You send them a PM and give them a TeamSpeak server or, golly, an email address.
4: This is where it gets so convoluted. You're now a member of 20 different organizations because you have 20 different friends in the game.
2: Yeah, I can see that it would get quite hard to manage... I'm trying to think of a way that they could implement it without it being as unwieldy because, yeah, like you said, you know, if I'm in guard frequency response and you're in guard frequency response, that's cool. We can see when each other's online. But if not, then I'm going to have to be a member of an organization called Jeff's Friends and Jeff is going to have to be a member of an organization called Lennon's Friends and yep. then by extension Tony's Friends. And so that's four groups where one would have done so I don't know if there is going to be a way to implement it as a single list, which, again, ideally is what you need, or just some way of tracking whether they're online or not.
3: You know, again, it's early. I'm sure that they've got something that they just haven't told us yet because it hasn't been fully you know, coded or fleshed out or whatever. It's not ready for prime time. But I am waiting to see what makes this okay because I haven't seen it yet. They're creeping up on some interesting things, but they're making some assumptions that I don't think are quite valid.
4: I thought about this since last week when we talked about this, and I knew that there would be parts of the game that make you pause and going, okay, whatever, stuff that we wouldn't like or stuff that we didn't quite understand. So I'm going to officially dub this organizational part. What the f*** are they thinking? Because if you get down to it, like I said before, there are systems that work, And they didn't have to recreate the wheel to do it.
3: At this point, I'm going to be pretty close to Jeff's camp. I hold out for hope that they're going to reveal the last bit that makes it all make sense. But until they do, this seems like they're making the assumption that people are going to respect the system to be how the metagame is played. And that's just not how it works. You you go around the system to play the metagame people want to role play as spies and stuff this could be fun for role playing as spies but that's not how real spies in an eve like environment work they just go around the system and you never find out It's almost like if you want to be friends you have to go all the way into Chris Roberts universe to be friends and maybe that's where the disconnect is. They want you to go all the way into the verse in order to be friends and to be friends like people who would live in the Chris Roberts universe would be friends. If you're actually living in 30th century United Earth Empire, you would have to trade spectrum IDs under the recognized comm system in order to keep track of each other across the vast reach of the galaxy. Maybe that's the assumption they're making, that they're just not communicating to us very well. All right. Well, let's get into this week's interview from Jason Spangler and Brian Brewer. Authenticate identity with recognition codes immediately. I am a cipher, a cipher wrapped in an enigma, smothered in secret sauce. Hey everybody! Welcome to Guard Frequency, and I have with me Jason Spangler, the Chief Technical Officer at Cloud Imperium Games, Austin. Jason, thanks for stopping by. Thanks. So. Well, we've got a few questions uh, for you, and s- some of our guys are technically literate, and I'm not too technically literate, so I may be asking some questions I don't really understand, or and you'll have to answer, and I'll have to pretend to nod sagely that okay. I, that, uh, and you can give an answer that doesn't make any sense, and all that, never know. makes well, it easier for me. Okay. <laughs> so. What does your stack consist of, and what languages? What's your IDE,
1: and uh, or do you use a text editor? And if so, what? <laughs> OK, so let's start with the easy ones. Uh... Windows and Linux. So, game client, of course, runs under Windows currently. Um, so, we're using uh, Microsoft Visual Studio. We're currently 2010, just because that's what the uh, CryEngine uh, is currently using. But we'll be moving to 2012 at least. I'm same. supposed to say uh, "boo hiss boo, good sir." Uh, <laughs> if,
3: if the words Visual Studio came out of your uh, came out, and then I was supposed to say "boo hiss <laughs> boo,
1: good sir." Uh, uh, from Lennon, one of my co-hosts. So there you go. So, but oh, Visual Studio. Yeah. However, since doing development under Windows, kind of stuck with it. Um, he also says you should try out Sublime Text. I've <laughs> heard good things about it. Okay. Well, there. you <laughs> Lennon. Lennon. There you go. <laughs> um, under Linux. Uh, so I should say what else under Windows? Uh, Visual Studio. The whole stack could kind of mean several things. All kind of development tools, Perforce for source control, um, <laughs> uh, um, and several other tools. Under Linux, we're using uh, GCC, standard GNU tools. Uh, we might we might look at using Clang instead of GCC for the compiler. Um, the other. I mean stack could have is maybe like the kind of server stack like on the website we use this pretty standard LAMP stack, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP with a uh, content management system or CMS that Turbulent uh, developed called Heap that's written in PHP. Um, on the game server side we're using uh, Linux is the OS um, and uh, a lot of open source uh, libraries like uh, ZeroMQ protocol buffers and such is part of our tech we're using. Uh,
3: are there any features so far that you have had to cut because your system doesn't sort of support that or anything? Or is it, have you been able to sort of execute
1: most, most of the stuff that people come to you to, to put together? Um, yes, the, primarily the scheduling, all of us up being about time, pretty much, and what we can get, get done for the target time. So something that's like, okay, let's do a smaller version of it so we can release at that target time, or have it done for that target, but then we'll do for the version two, the next phase of it, or the next iteration of it, we'll do the more complex version of the system. So it's not really about resources, it's more about just the, the amount of time it's going to take to put that... Thing together, it's, yeah, and it, some resources not not resources as in like libraries or tech, but mostly, but but uh, um, I don't like to call people resources, but but about pe- number of engineers and developers we have, right, right, yeah. One of the neat things about uh, this.
3: Uh, campaign is that the people people get into you early and say these are the things that we'd like to see and things that we'd like to do one of the things that gets tossed around a lot is uh, mobile applications are you guys
1: building that sort of support in at the very beginning or is it something you're doing in parallel or haven't touched it at all Uh, we haven't started it yet but we do we are keeping it in mind and we're like always talking about ideas what we could do For our interfaces between like the 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 game universe cluster and the website, we're always talking about. Oh yeah, we could make sure use that same type of interface for the mobile app, so it can talk to the either the the website or the universe cluster to get information. So we're always keeping it in mind, but we haven't actively started working on it yet. So the 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 plugs maybe are there. You just haven't nothing's plugged into it yet. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. the, uh, uh,
3: that might brings brings to the next question are you going to open up some of those plugs to the community are you gonna have some things where okay guys here's here's some api's here's some things that you can do on your own so if there's some impatient people out there who want to mobile app now <laughs> uh, you know once you get some some of the modules out there and they say oh you know if I had that on my mm-hmm.
1: on my tablet I could do that um, we're definitely talking about it we definitely would like to um, we haven't like started working in that direction yet um, with one thing I would I would it's always good to have like at least one sample implementation of something for like an API or something so we'd probably to make sure it's good, the API is good, it works well and it's providing the information that like cl- like the mobile clients would need would, to actually use in them so we'd probably if we, when we do do it, I should say if and when because right? everything's subject to change. <laughs> it's the, the usual yes. disclaimer. Yeah, um, it's not even an alpha yet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we would probably want to release a client using some sort of mobile app using the API first, just to show to help us test the API and show that the API works, so that when. Fans and other people that use the API, we can make sure we've already tested it well and know Oracle works well. We so if 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 and when if this sort of happened, we might see a pilot project from you
3: guys that that executes some of these things, and then uh-huh. you guys kind of go, okay, go nuts, guys. Yeah. Here's, here's what we've got, and uh, see what you can do with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is that something that we might see in other parts? I know you guys are planning to release a private server someday. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that we're also going to see on on that end? Can we be modding the servers and doing our own... On, our own
1: how much of the server will be open to modification, I guess? <laughs> that how be, deep can we dig? Yes, that we have not determined yet. <laughs> okay. Um, and It's probably going to be more technical limitations. A, we'll have to take some of the things we've scaled up to make like a persistent universe and scale them back down so they can run on much less hardware, maybe a single machine or something. So it's probably going to be more about the limitation of getting at the uh, server so that can run on a single machine yet still have a lot of the game features. That will probably be our primary limitation or restriction. Okay.
3: Have you have you uh, have you found writing for the Cry Engine? Is it uh, pretty easy to get to get
1: to everything to talk together? Or have you ever wanted to just uh, throw it out and toss the whole thing? <laughs> um, it's a very good engine, very um, high, a very nice render, uh, uh, very complete. It, it has a very steep learning curve. So there's a very uh, uh, there's a steep climb uphill for any developer that comes onto the project. Um, But, I mean, everybody has frustrations with uh, everything, but uh, 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 every engine has its pluses and minuses and goods and bads. But overall, we've had a good experience with it. How how many times a week do you say that, oh, I can do better than that myself? I just, no, no, get out of my way. Every programmer says that
3: (laughs) on everything pretty much. Is it it, it daily? Is it weekly? Give give us some idea here. I mean,
1: yeah. but well, yeah, and we have a real, real good relationship with Crytek, and they yeah. an office here in Austin. And, uh, oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, and you know, not only Crytek is sort of off-the-shelf technology that you guys are modifying, but
3: also the Kythera. Mm-hmm. I think that's how we've all agreed to pronounce it. That's how we yes, pronounce Kythera. Is, Kythera, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so with Kythera, you guys are sort of developing your own off-the-shelf technology. You're putting you're putting it together to put on the shelf. Um, in a way, we're more collaborating, like uh, with uh, Moon Collider, where they're developing it. It's like a uh, uh, mutual uh, interest mm-hmm. uh, c- coming together where uh, it's their li- it's their middleware they're developing, but at the same time they're adding features we like. They're developing mm-hmm. the, some of the features for their middleware also. Are they, uh, uh, the is the scale
3: of Star Citizen helping them sort of think big? I mean, because you guys are trying to do everything from dogfighting all the way down to you know modeling. NPCs buying and selling widgets. You know, is is are, is is Kythera going to help you with that entire range of, of game activities, or it's, is it just going to be focused on one end or the other?
1: No, we're we're we're, we're using it for both uh, start for uh, starship piloting and uh, intelligence uh, steering behaviors and such, and also first-person shooter dynamic. You know, all like the character-based dynamic pathfinding and, uh, uh, and combat also so, yeah we are it is both ends both ends but uh, now and and all the way to the very very end of
3: it um, even the, stu- the back end like um, like uh, did basically the persistent universe economy making decisions to go to this system or to that system is that also
1: part of the Kythera's uh, portfolio or is it just the physical Rendering stuff. Right now it's just the characters and ships and such We uh, um, for the economy and the meta. Uh, right now that's separate and we haven't started working significantly on what the whole meta AI where uh, economies and groups of people on a planet will take actions based on things happening in the universe and the economy and such so we don't, don't, don't know yet if that's where that's going to be. Okay.
3: Now one of the things that uh, has been mentioned on uh, Wingman's Hangar and, uh, and some of the things that uh, you guys are building your own netcode. You're not relying on uh, CryEngine's netcode and, and you're not sort of taking it off the shelf anywhere else
1: you're growing your own. Well, we're, right now we are using for the primary communication between the game client and the current game server, like that, that client that the person's ship or character is on. We are using the CryEngine's CryNetwork protocol, and we're also making changes to it um, to make it more optimal for like a persistent universe. And we also have, CryEngine tends to be for character based games, so we're we're doing a lot of work on the vehicle movement um, to make that work better. So we are using CryNetwork for that. Um, in addition to using a modified CryEngine, uh, uh, CryNetwork uh, protocol between the client and server, we also have like uh, some control connections and such, and that we're, we're using like some open source software kind of the base, ASIO, protocol buffers to, for message training and stuff. Uh, then on the back, in the server backend, among the processes, we're using things like 0MQ uh, along with uh, protocol buffers. So even though we are creating our own messages to send between our own services, we're basing it all on these open source, a lot of open, we're reusing a lot of open source frameworks to do so to kind of give ourselves a uh, uh, kind of a a head start on those projects. They've been well used in lots of different commercial and other open source projects. So they've been debugged, they have a lot of features when you need such, so it gives us a head start. Well, you're sort of taking the tools that are around you and then crafting them to meet your own needs and
3: own specifications. Is is that one of the reasons why the the dogfighting module was delayed from January to now? Is that you're taking that time and building those things out now uh, rather than?
1: Yeah, we're trying to do the first like the first uh, base iterations of a lot of the several of the different universe services that are needed for like matchmaking, managing all the game servers. Um, And also going with, rather than just simple player AI based dogfighting, going with actual uh, online dogfighting with uh, between uh, players running different clients and using the actual game server rather than just having single player. Can you talk about
3: matchmaking at least, you know, I I imagine that's probably going to be one of your guys' more technical uh, trade secret kind of things, but just generically, you know, what are the the things that you're responsible for in making sure that a, a good match happens? On the programming side,
1: Um, we are using like a well. There's a few different ways of making a match happen. Mm -hmm. The current design is where people uh, use their test. I don't say test water, but their their ship to start the simulation, and then it will allow them to choose between several different match types, and they can either. Let it auto-select people based on the uh, uh, ELO algorithm, which is a kind of a a well-known matchmaking algorithm. Take some stats and try to match people together with similar uh, uh, levels and such. Or you can explicitly uh, choose to uh, have a match with some of your friends you know. Is that going to be? Is that going to be handled by that basically at handle registration name, or is it? Uh, uh, for, at first, we're taught, uh, for the simplicity to get kind of the first version out there. We're probably going to something simple where somebody just you have to have a, a secret match name, and then you just tell your friends. Oh, okay, okay. And they all enter that match name. Okay, so basically, the the server will create an instance for you, and mm-hmm. then everyone joins that particular instance. So yeah, basically, okay, okay. And um, is that something that at version one does you plan on? Doing worldwide, can I play with my friend in Australia? Or are you guys going to try to localize those just for testing purposes? Uh, yes, we w- we definitely want it where um, people can have a good network connection where they are. So we are looking at hosting uh, some parts of the like some parts of the universe cluster, the game servers and such, in a couple places. Uh, um, around the world and then trying to direct people. But if you're going to go into a match where it's not automatic, um, where you explicitly want to play with friends and won't be able to it won't discriminate, basically. It, it yeah, but, but somebody's gonna—if you try to play with somebody you know, on a different continent, somebody's gonna have a higher ping time, basically. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, the, we should we should all gang up on
3: our friend from England. <laughs> I mean, that's what oh, we yeah. should do because he's going down. Or, or if we want to be nice, we, we should allocate a wingman to our guy from England mm-hmm. uh, if we have to, there are two other people
1: playing close together because uh, that's just going to happen at first. Is there? Is there I mean, there's, there's always a chance that might not be in the very, very first release, and it's something we. Add, but with our whole everything, we automate everything for all of our software building and our deployments. So that's why we can do releases frequently. So even yeah. if it's not out in the first release, then we'll probably be continuously putting out like fixes and improvements for a while. Okay. So it will so we'll come afterward. So we may get we may get just you know procedurally generated, or automatically generated matchmaking at first, and we may be able to. Make those private instances later if something is not working right. It, 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 or is um, that... we want to we want to try to have the private instances at on the fir- in the first version, but the second version like, but the the region specific um, okay. uh, game servers might it might make the first version or it might be in the later version. Okay. What's the hardest bug you've had to fix so far? What's the one that's made you tear <laughs> your hair out? Oh boy. Um, Fortunately, like I don't get to fix a whole lot of bugs myself directly, since there's so many engineers working on the project now. There's over forty engineers, and there's a lead. Say that uh, number again. There's over forty engineers. Fourteen. 14 four zero. Yes. Okay. And uh, all the different studios. So, and each studio there's a lead engineer. Um, so a lot of my a lot of my work is. Planning and architecture, and working with lead engineers and working with individual engineers. Uh, so, uh, on uh, maybe like reviewing tech designs and helping set up all the uh, development processes and automated tools to help them do their job faster. Then, also helping plan the architecture of the game and the parts. So what's the... So I did not get. A, I unfortunately did not get a whole lot of time myself to to actual program. But it's a, it's, a, it's a nice treat when I did. <laughs> so well, um, maybe not necessarily in this game, but what another game or you had to or another project where you had to hunt down
3: a bug was, was what you what you're proudest, kill. What you're proudest <laughs> to kill? What's the proudest kill? What's the one you can hang? You can hang
1: it. Hang it on a wall uh, on a wood back. What would it be? Let's see. Um, a funny one. Back clear back on Ultima Online. I got a call uh, late at night uh, from uh, the operations or knock saying, Santas are taking over the world. Santas? <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus. And somebody had a, There was a typo in some data file, so it wasn't obeying the limits for how many Santa Clauses would spawn in the world Oh, some sort of Christmas event. So they <laughs> just kept spawning and spawning and spawning, <laughs> so the world was slowly filling up.
3: Nothing Apple Santa Claus. Okay, all right, that counts. That yeah,
1: counts. Star Citizen. I don't think I have any real good, interesting bug. If it got to you, it would be so, a big problem. If, if it yeah. rose to, if it, ro- if it got through all the layers to you, that'd be a serious problem. Yeah, the the only one coming to mind is just a data file missing from one of the pack files and tracking it down and, and, and finding why it was missing, but that's not a very interesting uh, Santa Claus were better. Yeah. Was better. <laughs> All right. All we've, right. We've had some really cool ones, though, like uh, where uh, people, you, some people probably have seen them where you just clip through the, the missing collision oh. through parts of the ships yeah. or uh There's part of CryEngine where it treats first person and third person separately. Um, uh, And it would warp the person's body so that the body wouldn't show up in the camera view oh um so there's one well, one bug where we like actually removed the camera control on that so you could actually see your character's body like all warped and you know, the back was like this big arch that went way up in the air so it missed the camera, the camera. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay well
3: yeah I'm glad you just watched that one my uh, one of our co-hosts Lennon uh, he managed to sit upside down in his gunner seat in that test gun rig <laughs> yeah he, was, he, he got upside down in that thing when he was shooting so yeah, uh, that was his, that was his find. And he, and he uh, found the freelancer's ejection seat. So he was somehow able to shoot through the roof of the freelancer in the <laughs> hangar and like wind up on, on the top of his hangar or something <laughs> like that. So he was pretty proud of himself for finding those. But All right, we'll, we'll let you know if we find any of those. And then you can delegate them to the appropriate <laughs> to that person. All right, well, Jason, thanks a lot for coming by. I appreciate your time. You. All right, thank you. All right, welcome to Guard Frequency. And with me is Brian Brewer, lead animator on Star Citizen. Brian, thanks for stopping in. Oh,
0: well, thank you for having me.
3: Now you're working on the motion capture part of the uh, character animations.
0: Oh, well, yes, uh, I'm working on pretty much anything that animates or moves in our game. So ships, characters, objects, set pieces, props.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but here in Austin, you have a separate sound stage for the motion to capture.
0: Uh, we do. We have a temporary sound stage we set up in uh, until we find an actually more permanent uh, space for it. But yeah, we run a uh, an Opti-Track system Prime, using Prime 41 cameras for our motion capture system. Um, pretty good. Can't complain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so uh,
3: uh, are, when you take that motion capture raw footage and bring it back here, what is it you're working with to try to capture? Is it just Is are you trying to get faces, bodies, the whole thing? Is- uh, um,
0: generally speaking for basic game animations, just the body. Uh, recently, last uh, week before last, we did a full performance capture shoot where we captured uh, the body, the face, and the audio. Uh, And it's uh, just a really nice way to capture everything all at once, so there's this nice cohesive uh, animation or motion that you see in game. Everything works together, as opposed to how it's been typically done in the past for video games, where you record the voice in a sound booth somewhere, and then then you capture the body on stage, and then the faces are animated somewhere else. <laughs> right, right. Along it's the all line. chopped up. Yeah. So it kind of gets more along the lines of what you see in cinema with movies like Avatar, and, right. or other video games like uh, Uncharted uh, is, a, is a good example of doing full performance capture.
3: What? How, how much of that are we going to see in the universe? Is that something that's going to be just
1: for the tutorial, or just for the big, important cutscenes? Uh, it's cut going
0: to uh yeah, because the uh, the complexity and the cost of doing full performance capture—we're going to definitely see it in Squadron Forty Two for all of our cinematics. Uh, we might see some in some special vignette-y uh, persistent universe, uh, and then that's about it. Uh, after that, it probably is probably not cost uh, cost effective. Cost effective to. Uh, to do it every, everywhere because it? it is quite expensive to, to do the face.
3: Well, but you're looking for a more permanent sound stage, and so you plan on using it for the larger animations you know, going forward, more or less.
0: Oh, finding a new sound stage? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice to have a permanent setup so you're not having to constantly put stuff up, take stuff down, and when we do get a permanent space. Uh, it'll be real nice because then it's, oh, we've got to go and capture we got such and such ship coming up. We need some animations for it. So let's, let's run down to the soundstage and, or the studio and capture some moves.
3: Right, and it's because the ladder on this one's a different height or you have to climb through this kind of hatch or yeah. you know, just the, the movement's a little different.
0: For yeah, eventually missions. we'll get yeah eventually we'll get to the point where we've captured enough stuff. We have a nice library that we can pull from. So if you do have something like a ladder, oh, look, we've got all these ladder animations that we've captured. Let's go grab one and use it for it. And, and it saves some time. Uh, but we're going to have so many little interactions going into bars where you can interact with NPC characters, sitting down on bar stools, (laughs) interacting with your environment. Uh, It's going to be very useful to be able to just go capture that stuff really fast.
4: And you just
3: grab somebody from the office and say, come on, I need you to be Bar patron number six, uh, let's let, let's do let's do some elbow workouts here. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Some sometimes you, 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 maybe I'll put on the suit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if my suit <laughs> can handle the suit. <laughs> oh, I can probably
1: help you with the beer
0: drinking part. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. all right but
0: yeah, good. we, we uh, you know one of us can do it. I'm talking with a, a guy right now, an animator, and he is an incredible uh, stunt guy. Uh, hope are uh, you know hoping that he wants to come on board. Hopefully everything works out, but. He he's definitely somebody I know I I want in the, the suit or on stage, but generally we will hire an actor because sometimes it's better for us to watch from as a third person kind of watching what's going on as opposed to being the person. Uh, that way we can see if the person's hitting their cues, hitting their marks. Um, so.
3: Right, Um, and aside from just the motion capturing part of it, you're also uh, helping animate uh, ships and and, uh, the landing gear, the doors, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, there's always an approval process that we go through when we do something like a ship. So after the concept, or usually during the concept phase of the ship, it'll come to animation, and animation will look at it and say, "Well, this is probably how it needs to. These things need to move and articulate, and and break it. You know, these need to be broken out." Uh, then it goes to modeling, modeling goes through and does their thing, and then at some point it comes back to animation, and you take another look at it and say, okay, now let's, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be updated, what needs to be changed you know, on the model. Uh, luckily, it has, doesn't have to, it's not that all that often that we do that, but uh, occasionally it, it does happen. And then when animation, or when modeling is finished, it comes back to animation for the final break out, tear down, rigging, and we get in there and we animate the ship. So doors opening, hatches, you know, landing gear, deploying, or retracting. Uh, you go inside a large ship like the Constellation. Uh, you get into beds, the bed, so the beds have to work. <laughs> Everybody's favorite, the toilets. Yeah, that sounds Sitting down in toilets. Everybody you saw out. that word forming on my yeah, face, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That, it's funny. Cause my I 11-year-old went, digs it. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> went to a... Uh, like a um, uh, industry event where I taught a class on animation, and I used our game as an example. And the second people saw that you could sit down on the toilet, that was it. I'm yeah, sure.
3: you're, yeah.
0: Everybody, I, it sounds like the silliest thing in the world being able to sit on a, but in but. People love it. After that, yeah. getting in the
3: shower is just small potatoes. Like, well, of course you can get in the shower. Uh, you can in the yes. toilet. Yeah, go back to that.
0: Uh, totally. <laughs> so, it, it, wait until we get the Oculus Rift and people can look down. And... <laughs> that's going to the blooper that's
3: where, that's where that's going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, so it, uh, aside from you know, the we've got a interaction between the characters and the ships and uh, the characters themselves. Interactions between characters, or are there, do you get multiple people in the suits, and then do those people then interact with the ship, too, or is it all oh, yeah, a single yeah. person?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So it, when we're out on stage, uh, we have our entire scene in a program called Motion Builder, and we're able to see real-time what's being captured out on the stage. And we have uh, tools that we use uh, to go and figure out where the, all the seats are. So we'll just get regular chairs, and we'll set them in the right spots, and we'll get... Uh, music stands, and those are the control panels that the people, you know, the characters are supposed to interact with, and microphone stands for, for joysticks, and yeah. we, we have a little PVC pipe for, like, others' controls and what have you, yeah. uh, and then we, we get all that placed out, and that way when the actors come in and they're able to do their scene, in our case, Squadron 42, and some of the commercials that we're getting ready to do for the Constellation, Cutlass, and Freelancer. Uh, Constellation, Cutlass, and Freelancer commercials are funny, guys. <laughs> Is that 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 okay, David?
1: I I think (laughs) everyone knew that they were Uh, coming, but just...
0: Yeah, Uh, so anyway, uh, so for for these commercials and future commercials, um, it's just a great way for the actors to go in and be able to interact with their environment. Yes, there's a lot of cleanup afterwards, but uh, it it gets you, whatever, 80% 80 there.
3: All right, Brian, well, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing more of this stuff uh, in the works. Well, thank you for having me
2: okay buddy what's on your mind we're all friendlies so let's just be
3: friendly again I want to say thanks to all our new friends in the feedback loop can't get to everybody but keep writing in guys we love all of it and we read all of it so uh thanks so much for taking the time to send us your thoughts
2: from episode 16 Cyodian writes hey guys I'm a big fan of the show I've been listening for a few weeks now and I really enjoyed the professionalism you bring to the verse I especially enjoyed the achievement episode you guys had me rolling when you put in that sound every now and then and then in your other episodes it's a great laugh the goat segment in this episode got me a little nervous but I'm glad you guys put it in there very funny and the song was awesome the Klondike bars are in the mail i got to say that I was disappointed on Tuesday to have to wait another day. Don't let that happen again, please.
4: Mea Culpa. I'm, I'm Mea sorry. i sorry. We're all very sorry.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Jeffa Culpa. It's
4: all of us. Yeah. Jeffa Culpa.
3: No, <laughs> Mea Tony, it was, Tony I, Maxima, I, Jeff, Lennon, Culpa.
2: Yeah, you had internet issues. There were a few issues surrounding the interviews. There was a few issues about the goats. It was just... Yeah, it It just didn't really go well. He then goes on to say, Regarding the Oculus, I agree with Tony. I'm just glad I didn't back it. The backers deserve their money back or an equivalent product. As Chris Roberts and Lennon alluded to, and as Chris said in his letter for the chairman, they need the money for supply and manufacturing, not to mention the tech QA and all the tweaking. Virtual reality is coming, and no new tech is without its bumps and bruises. Anyway, guys, keep up the great work, and Jeff, plus one to your fans list. Glad you got a better mic.
4: Ah, thank you, thank you. But thank our producer, and everybody involved with Priority One Productions for making me sound so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys tune into the live stream, he's just a shell of a man.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Jeff is the absolute pinnacle of manliness. Oh, thank
4: you. Thank you. Captain Mitch yeah, says, yeah. my response to is the Idris OP now that it is a frigate? The answer to this would be no. In fact, it is less powerful compared to the original Idris. The Idris actually lost a rear missile turret. The ship will have more mass, making it less maneuverable and the ship is now much larger target to hit. Honestly, aside from getting a larger ship, the performance and offensive firepower of the Idris has been hurt by the updates. We will have to wait and see if the defenses will be boosted to help balance the added mass and loss of weapons. P.S. I love the show, and my only complaint is that there are not more shows.
3: I want to address the the meat of his uh, argument here that the Idris is OP, no, it's a frigate, and no, it's actually got less teeth. Mm. I think what they've done is they've actually made it a real frigate. Because if you look at modern-day frigates, a lot of their offensive capabilities come from... The helicopters that they have on board. You know, if you've got a ship with one or two anti submarine choppers they can actually, you know, attack a target from two or three different directions and knock it out. So, I mean, that's the idea, I think, with the Idris Corvette. It's going to have a couple of fighters in its landing bay, and it's going to have a lot of offensive power from its ability to come at a target from multiple directions. I think they've taken the concept of the Idris to where it should have been in the first place, and they've already said they're going to try to make a Corvette. But
4: using your own analogy there, sub the helicopters— don't usually get fired upon because the submarines are under the ocean, which means they can't launch anti-aircraft missiles at them unless they come up. And if they come up, they're dead. There is a slight advantage to the sub-hunters in being that they can pretty much be unattacked. Whereas in space, launching your fighters, you have every chance of losing those fighters at the first onslaught. Zambuck writes in, The talk about the
3: Idris makes sense, but it should still be extremely hard to get one, or at least require some sort of rank or something. It would be nice for everyone to be able to get and have one, sure, but that would be immersion breaking as hell. If any Joe Schmo could get a capital ship. Like, imagine the scenario hey
2: dude, you and me, let's go get our interests and race, man. Later on we can cruise around and troll for
3: chicks. Smiley face. Also, if it was the real world, wouldn't mostly orgs or government be the only things to have enough resources and reason to run such a ship? It would be something great for an org to work towards, like finally we can afford a nidris now, or if I was mining trading magnet with tons of properties, business and cash, that would also make sense. Well yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The org buys and owns the Idris. And, of course, with the mechanics being like they are, if you are the member of an org with only one leader, he could take the resources that the organization has collected collectively and put together to bind their great, big, gigantic Idris and then fire
4: everybody and take the ship off on its own. So, yeah, I think we're in total agreement, me and Zambuck. And via the Robert Space Industries forums, Anarian praises Lennon's song calling it nice and also said, another nice one. Well done, lads. Keep up the good work. I believe the VR glasses, like the Rift, is like a hot potato. Oculus needs to have the capital so they can launch an adequate number of units and be the first on the market. Facebook got that capital. It's just business. I believe Oculus VR will keep their word and make VR economically feasible for the masses. It would be nice to serve as a pilot on a frigate in Squadron 42. As for being at OP, I don't think anything will be OP in Chris Roberts' games. If you lads played the previous games, you'll know that all cap ships can be taken down. It would take just a lot of work and dedication. The more cap ships or multi-crew ships out there, the more options we've got. I see this as a good thing. So if it's a prelude to opening up the manufacturing system to smaller capital ships, then it's all good in my book. Sean Newrock replies with, Tossed up,
2: certainly described the opening of the show. Very amusing. As to the poll, it's too bad they didn't have an option for none. I for one have not purchased a ship yet. I'm not sure I will buy a ship. I'm thinking of getting a subscription and hiring on his crew when I start the game. As for the Oculus Rift, don't care yet. I love the new frigate. Great to hear from David and Mark. By the way, I'm enjoying Void Destroyer. A very well thought out game and excellent show, everyone. Glad you're
3: enjoying the code. Too bad we don't have any more. But we'll try to get Paul on again sometime. Maybe he'll have some more
2: goodies to give away. Yeah. I would be interested to know, though, how the game is going to be. Because everybody, at the moment, obviously, we've all got our own ships and the dogfighting module is the next thing to come out. But I guess, you know, it's completely valid. If you wanted to play it just as crew and FPS, you don't have to get a ship. And it's just a career path that I've never really thought about myself.
3: Yeah, that could be interesting. I would imagine that you're probably going to have to, well... I guess you should play Squadron 42 and you just muster out and then you get a pile of credits and don't spend it. And Dax writes in, Listening in now, really enjoying these podcasts, mates. Well, thanks, Dax.
2: No, of,
4: course, of course you're enjoying it. We're delightful.
3: We are delightful.
4: Daughter of Soul shines her light to say, Didn't have time to listen before tonight. Didn't know I won the Void Destroyer code until I got a PM earlier. Thanks for that. I don't usually win anything ever and this time I didn't even know there was anything to win. Love the show. Good stuff to <laughs> Well that's the problem right there. You keep trying to win. Yeah, yeah don't don't try. Just just we just don't even be aware of
2: this competition.
4: We're right. And we're glad that secret. you won. It's good to know that somebody that didn't expect to win got actually got something. Now if I could do that with the lotto, then I would be <laughs> really <happy. laughs> Yeah. Love the show. Good stuff to have in the background while working on my map or just browsing the forum. Keep it up, guys. And coming to us from Facebook, Jace Pentad says, I'm both
2: cross and vexed. This came out immediately after my commute. Just kidding. Can't wait to listen to the new episode, guys.
3: Yeah, shout out to Jace. He's the other new host of Priority One over there. Uh, thanks for listening in. And, uh, you know, if Lennon's doing a bad job, be sure to let us know. Oh. With the editing or anything like that. Yeah, feel free so to sign know. up
2: as an audio editor.
3: Yeah, you can do that too. From Twitter, we hear from Captain STO, He says he's fracking excited for the DFM. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're, fracking.
4: Oh, fracking excited for the DFM. <laughs> Before we close out, we'd like to let you know that our community manager had a story available for purchase in the anthology called Tales from the Front. It is set in the role playing setting of Kaiser Gate, where magic has entered the world around the time of the Second World War. Chivalry Bean's story involved an airplane pilot on a border patrol in the Mexican American border and involved reconnaissance as well as dogfighting. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. So, do we make you want to cut loose, kick off your Sunday
3: shoes? Let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at
2: forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode show notes at guardfrequency.com. And now you can subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just find us on iTunes.
4: Hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak and leave a comment, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email, squawk at
3: guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of Episode 17 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 18 on the 15th of April. Be sure to keep an eye out for our episodes over at guardfrequency.com or our post over at the Roberts
4: Space Industries Fan Sites subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit the contact form at the top of our website. All the details for all the contact methods will be in the show notes. Do you like what we do here? Do you want to come and join our team? If so, send a
2: note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. We're always on the lookout for talented individuals, so no matter what you're into, we want to hear from you. And a quick reminder that we are looking for an audio engineer to come on board and join us here at Priority One. So if you have any experience with editing audio, just send us an email, squawk at guardfrequency.com.
4: And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash org forward slash guard freak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, join us live at guardfrequency.com forward slash live, 8 p.m. Central. And that's 2 a.m. Sunday, Greenwich Mean Time. We want to thank the entire
3: team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Special thanks to our community manager, Jay Chivalry Bean, and artist Simon Charlton Edwards. And again, special thanks to Jason Spangler and Brian Brewer for sitting down with me in Austin. And once again, thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkes.com for more of his work. And we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time to Carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the ground. We want to thank the entire team over at Card Frequency and Priority One Productions.
2: And from episode sixteen, see so, so, how do you pronounce Saldian? it? Saaldian. Saaldian. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Wingamanga now. Just Wing. Just yeah, Wingamanga Hanger. Yeah, Wingamanga hanger, just completely butchering the names. Saildian. On Planet
3: Sensen. Exactly.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, enough of my past. One
3: analyst. One analyst in the article called the company Sales Goals. That didn't
2: come out right <laughs> The staff at CIG tell us that they've... <sighs> the staff at CIG tell us what they've been doing to help... My God, what is wrong with my you face? You wrote this. I know.
4: Sorry. I, it's it's sorry. I just got to put a pause here. So, yeah.
3: I think, Lenin, your writing would benefit from the addition of more punctuation.
2: I think your face would benefit from... <laughs> A pizza in the (laughs) form.
3: It would. That sounds delicious.